Hello and welcome to the Sandro Forte podcast. Over the many years I've been running a successful business, I've met directly or indirectly many successful people from entrepreneurs, sports stars, celebrities, and dare I say, even royalty. So what makes someone successful? Do we even know what success is? And the all-important question, can we create it for ourselves? This podcast series invites a diverse group of people to share their insights, their wisdom, and the things they've learned along the way. Gene Diamond's entertainment career spans back decades and includes working as casting director for MGM Studios, during which time she worked on films such as Ben-Hur and Dunkirk. Following this, she went on to create London Management Agency, which became one of the top three theatrical agencies in the country. In 2003, she put all of her expertise into co-founding her latest agency, Diamond Management, which is now one of London's foremost theatrical agencies, representing the most stellar names in film, theatre and television. So it gives me great pleasure to welcome our guest today, a super lovely person I've known for a very long time, a dear friend, actually, Jean Diamond. Jean, welcome. Thank you. And I'm particularly pleased because you don't do many of these, if any, do you? Never. So I will take that as a compliment. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, for those who are listening in, they won't know this, but uh, Jean and I go back quite a long way, don't we? And um, I was trying to get, get into the Ivy Club way back when. And uh, they wouldn't let me in because there was a big, long waiting list. And I was having lunch with you, wasn't on one day. And the then manager, Nigel Stowe, came over. And I was bemoaning the fact that I had to wait all this time to become a member. And uh, you asked him, Sandra wants to become a member of the Ivy Club. And he said, I'm sorry, Jean, there's a big, long waiting list. And you said, Nigel, I don't think you heard what I just said. Sandra wants to be a member of the Ivy Club. And the very next day, application form arrived in the post. So it's definitely not what you know, but who you know. So... Thank you for that. I, I'm going to take this opportunity to publicly. I have my uses. You do. So first question to you, Jean, if we may, and this is, this is uh, we're not going to dissect your life in any way, but um, there's so many great things that, that I've learned from you over the years, and I wanted to try and share those with, with the listeners. The very first piece of advice that your mum gave you way back when? Well, it's when I had finished school and I didn't want to go to university. So my mum said, well, if you're not going to do that, you will go to secretarial college, which I pulled a long face. And she said, that way you will always earn your living. And it was the best thing she'd ever done because as a result of that, when I finished um, college, I, wrote, I was always mad about theatre, never wanted to act myself. But I, I used to go and see everything at the weekends, up in the gods in the West End, um, I used to go um, with some friends. We used to go up to Stratford over Easter and we'd get up at six in the morning, get the standing tickets to see the season at Stratford. So I was always mad about the theatre and I wanted to be involved in it. So I wrote letters to the, from the orchestras, Royal Philharmonic, London Symphony Orchestra. I wrote to agents. I wrote to all the old Vic um, theatres. Uh, not And I got a telegram from an agent, the biggest agency in that, that in America and in London, MCA, saying, call us immediately. And, of course, there weren't anything like emails or anything like that. It was a telegram. And I joined them as the junior in the literature department of MCA. 
And one, one of the very first things I did was I typed, I didn't negotiate, I typed the contract for Julian Slade in Saturdays. And years later, I said to Julian, do you know what I, my first thing I ever did in this business? I typed your contract for Saturdays and I thought, I've arrived in show business. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, that is quite an amazing story. Yeah. But, and then you, you, you went on to be a casting director and then, I mean, mm. one of the, if not the preeminent theatre, TV agents this country's ever seen. Oh, I don't know about that. You're being modest. But no, that's, that's true. That is true. Um, how, did, how did the next part of your career develop? Well, so what happened, again, it's all been fate. I've been so lucky. It's literally all been fate. Uh, uh, the, the junior in the, as I was junior, junior in the literary department, obviously. And my boss looked after the literary side and the rep side of uh of the uh, their their huge list of plays, and uh, worldwide, and uh, which so the reps they had if the reps are going to do a play they have to come to the ever represent it and you negotiate for them to do the you know obviously have the rights to do the play, you have to make certain that they don't do it within thirty miles of each other and all those sort of things. Anyway, to cut a long story short, um, I went into the office one day and he wasn't there. And the head of the department said, oh, he's left. <clears throat> so while we're getting someone to replace him, can you cope? So there was I negotiating with all the reps in the country. And at that time, Darlene for Murder, which was one of the, the hugest mm. successes, became available for the rep market. Well, it went berserk. And I had great fun with all that. And um, now I got a phone call and someone who had, had met me and said, they're looking for an assistant casting director at MGM Studios. How do you feel about it? And I thought, oh, I fancy that idea. And I went and had an interview, and they said, well, the difficulty is getting you into the union, because then it was all union. Uh, you had to belong to the ACTT. Yeah. And they managed to do that, and then I told them at MCA I was going to go, and they said, you're off your head. They said, you've got a huge career here if you want to stay here. And MGM's always up for sale, which indeed it was. And it was the studios that was out at Elstree. So and I thought, no, that's what I want to do. So I went off as an assistant casting director. Very first film I ever worked on, which was Bawani Junction uh, with David Gardner. And the first time I ever went on a set, they said, be careful because there's a loose panther around at the moment. <laughs> and, that, and I was there for four, was it four or five years? And it was wonderful. It was really wonderful. And whilst I was there, Ealing Films joined uh, MGM. They did a deal with MGM. And so I was also casting Ealing Films. And they never made a successful film with MGM. They had an incredible list of things that they had done, all the Alec Guinness films, etc. And it was just one of those things. It just didn't work. And so Michael Balkan, who owned Ealing Films, decided to sell up. And one of the producers approached me and said, I'm going to go back to being an agent. Would you like to join me? And I, over the years, several people had approached me, several agents, but it, I never felt that it was right. I thought, oh, I like that idea. He said, I can't offer you anything because until we open an office, we can't take on a client. I said, I know, but it smells right. And we started London Management. And it was incredible. I mean, in six months, we had an extraordinary list. 
My very first client, who sadly died a year ago, was Burt Crook, the um, Chinese actor. Mm. And uh, he had been doing um, a film uh, at MGM and had met me. And so he approached me as my first client. And, was, and he did with me all those years until he died a year ago. That's yeah. amazing. I, I heard you say it's fate. It you know, kind of all happened by accident. I, I would challenge on that because one thing I know about you is you are extraordinarily hardworking. Uh, you know, you put in your shift in the office with Leslie and all the other people you work with, and then you go off and spend your evenings at the theatre watching all of your clients pretty much, don't you? Yes. So is it about luck? Is it about fate? Or is 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 fate where opportunity and hard work kind of collide? Because uh, you are being modest, aren't you? But you do work incredibly hard. Where does your work ethic come from? I think caring for my clients. They're not my clients, they're my family. I know that sounds a, <laughs> uh, a bit over the top, but they really are my family. Some of them have been with me over 30 years. And I always think for anyone to say, here is my life, take care of it. You know, what a privilege. What mm. an incredible privilege. Yeah, that's the that's the thing I think everyone that really resonates with people that know you, that you are extremely caring in a very, if I may say, fickle business. Yes, and, and that upsets me. Yeah. That, you know, it does upset me when I hear um, the way some people get treated. Mm. Yeah. So then tell us about diamond management because London management and diamond management. Yeah, so um, as I say, it's a London, and we grew very big. Mm. Uh, the great organisation joined us after we'd been going a few years. And I decided I really didn't want to be a managing director of this big company um I really wanted to go back to really what I was about and so very um uh you know it was really easy because um Mark Berlin who was uh, my business partner and he looked after the literary side um was amazing um so Mark Berlin um said if that's what you really feel then let's do it because it was a point where the bill we either had to renew the the lease or find or decide to move somewhere else. And it was one of those things. So it was, it was good timing. And, uh, and Leslie Duff, who had been working with me at London management, I asked if she'd like to join me. She said, yes, please. Um, which, uh, which thrilled me. And we began under management at diamond management. And I spent a weekend ringing all the clients and saying, you'll never guess what I've done. <laughs> and how do you feel about, you know, joining, coming with me and joining me. And they said, well, what's the new phone number? And what was the biggest surprise when I said, but you're not part of London Management anymore. And they said, we've never said the London Management. We always say with Jean Diamond. And of course, I never knew that. Yeah. And that was quite a shock. And um, then I spent a weekend ringing directors, casting directors, producers, and the number of people who said, I can't believe you didn't do this years ago, Jean. <laughs> and uh, Diamond Management's now... 16 years old and uh, my clients just moved with me so it was wonderful that's amazing so what do you what drives you now i mean you are um you know you've got bucket loads of experience people would easily forgive you for saying you know enough's enough i've been there done it got the t-shirt what what keeps you going i i cannot believe ever of not being there for them i know that sounds sort of um hand on but i really they are my family. And it's like a mother hen saying, I'm not going to look after the children anymore. Mm. 
and they're, and they're always full of problems. Nothing is ever straightforward. Nothing is ever easy. And I feel very, as I say, very lucky to be part of their lives. Mm. And it's not. A, and one wants always wants something better for them. One always wants um, uh, to try and create something that is fresh and new for them. You're always looking in every direction. And and also, one's there to help people. Uh, I find that people coming into the industry need uh, need advice, and, and uh, if I can be of help, do I either put them off or to <laughs> or to encourage them to do what is you know right for them? I don't mean clients, but you know, a, a director's daughter coming out of university does she want to be an actress? You know. Anything I can do to help. I just feel the business has been so amazing to me. My clients have been so amazingly loyal to me uh, that anything I can do to help anyone else is the least I can do to repay, you know, to repay what the business you, has given me. But you've me. created that loyalty, haven't you, by putting relationships first in, in a business that for many, many years perhaps hasn't upheld those same mm. values. Uh, has the has the industry in which you work, Jean, and to which you've been such a great servant, has it changed much over the years? And if so, how has it changed? Yes, it has. I mean, when I was a casting director, I would go around the country to the reps to see that because we didn't have any. You, know, you didn't push buttons and see somebody's showreel. Um, you didn't put if you were going to put someone on film to test them. You did it at 35 mil, very expensive. I mean, when we were casting Ben-Hur, we were given a budget for six girls that we could test for one of the leads. Now they would see 56 people, you know, that they will come in and they, you know, as soon as you go in for a meeting, you're immediately, immediately filmed. Everything is put on, on tape, which I think is awful. It's no longer... Loses its personal feeling. It loses that feeling of on a one to one. You know, it's wonderful in some ways that it doesn't matter where a client of mine is around the world. I can always ring them. I can always find them. I mean, I, um, I was telling the story the other day that one of my clients, um, I uh, had gone away and I didn't know. This was a Friday night. I got a call from New York that the leading girl in a new musical had got a problem in rehearsal and they wanted my client to take her over. So I called her, no answer. The four mobile phones. <laughs> <laughs> um, I spent all Saturday, all Sunday, couldn't find, rang the, the parents, didn't know where she was, friends didn't know where she was and she never got the part. She lost this because I didn't know where she, uh, what, where she was. And in fact, what had happened, she'd gone to Paris for the weekend and uh, thought, oh, Jean won't need me. I'll be back on Monday. And she lost the part. And I use that and I tell clients, don't ever disappear on me. And um, as I say, it's easier now. That is the one bonus now. Mm. But uh, in those days, you know, it was um, a, a question of if you didn't, you know, if you didn't know where somebody was, you couldn't find mm. where you could find them. I suppose greater connectivity is both a blessing and a curse, isn't it? Because people come to rely on it. Well, that, but they accept, you know, accept it. Equally, a client of mine um, did a self-tape, lived in LA, did a self-tape for Guys and Dolls and came over and played the lead in London in Guys and Dolls. And that was from a self-tape in, in LA. Mm. 
So it, it has its bonuses, but yeah. equally, I think now it's a question of um, the competition is just, it's impersonal. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, the famous story of Shelley Winters, um, who was not my client, but this is a very famous story, that she went up for, an, you know, something came up for her and the agent sent her up, going back a few years ago, and she had a carpet bag in her, uh, with her. And the two producers looked her and said, now tell us, Shelley, what have you been doing? So she opened up her bag, took out the two Oscars, put them on the desk and said, and what have you done? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, so, uh, and, and this is where it's difficult because the directors now, you know, do not always meet the artists. Uh, and so everybody has to second guess what, which direction shall I do this tape in, which, you know. But your success is it's still based on all those principles that you've had for many years. I mean, you clearly have adapted to the the new environment, but all those old fashioned call them old fashioned mm. beliefs. If you don't mind me using that expression, those old fashioned beliefs, those principles, yeah. you still adopt them today, don't you? Yes, I do. Yeah, completely, completely. You know, um, I read all the scripts. What I found extraordinary over the last few years, people have offered me. Um, uh, that they can read script reading for me. And I said, well, what do you mean, script reading? And they said, well, you know, Gene, you can't read all your scripts. I said, I'm not intelligent enough to read what somebody else thinks of something. I have to feel it myself because it's very important that if your client is offered a part and they're reading the script, that you actually discuss it with them, your feelings, of, is it a good thing to do, is it a bad thing to do, is it the right thing to do, you know, all these things um, that you can, own, for me, I can only analyse if, in fact, I've read it and got the feeling myself. And what I always do with them, I say, don't tell me what you think until I've read it and vice versa. And then when we both read it, you know, so who's going to go first? And so... <laughs> And nine times out of ten, I say, oh, this is terrible. No way you can do that. And they say, oh, that, thank goodness you agreed. Or this is fantastic. So, that that yeah. generosity of spirit that you've got, you know, it must be on one level, commercially, it must be difficult to say to a client, you know, I don't think this is right for you. Because many people in a similar line of business or indeed in any business might on one level think, oh, that's the money walking out of the door. But I suppose by continuing from what I'm hearing, by putting your clients first at the centre of your business, the, the commercial aspect, the commercial value is the byproduct of that relationship. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah. And that's really been the mainstay of your, the success yes, of your business. Yes, because it, and also it's when things are sort of, um, well, it might be all right, but it needs a rewrite. You know, one will have the meeting with the director and the writer and work with them on maybe seeing if there's a way or they're, they're agreeing that in fact, that actually this idea you have is a good one, but not de no demands. Of course, you don't know, so this is what it has to be. But it's a question of you say, I feel there's a weakness there. And if you did that, and sometimes, you know, together with the creators, you actually get a better production coming mm. out of it mm. as well. I mean, every actor and actress will most probably have two or three productions that they weren't particularly um, proud of. Yeah. So, um, you know, I guess you act as a bit of a filter in that respect. Um, one one question I have for you, Jean. I'm I'm fascinated on a personal level because my history uh, kind of tenuously has links to drama school and all that stuff, and I still have my equity card even today. Um, I'm very interested to know 
you talk about people walking in through your door looking for advice, maybe an actor or an actress just starting out on the path to stardom or what they perceive to be stardom. Would you take talent over application, you know, a real hard worker that perhaps lacks a little bit of what someone else might have in spades? But so you, are you looking for obviously a combination of both? Would you take talent over hard work or would you take the hard worker over the talent? It's talent. Is it? And as I always say to them too, sadly, it's a, this business is illogical. There is, you can't say, if you do this, that will happen. And if you do that, this will happen. And the cry you get all the time is, what can I do to help? And sadly, the only thing they can do is be ready to go through that door and not say, oh, I'll lose a bit of weight when I get apart. Or I'll then make sure, you know, my teeth are straight later when I've got some money to do. It's too late. Mm. You only have one go at it. Like a reactive kind of action, yeah. really. Yeah. Reacting to a certain set of circumstances. Um, talking about the uh, the clients that you represent, we're not going to talk about any of them in particular because I know you're you're too protective of those clients, so I'm not going to even go down that that road. But um, who have you really thinking about your clients generally, what would you say is the common thread that runs amongst the really successful ones? Because, okay, on one level, talent, but they weren't, they didn't come into the world uh, destined to be an actor or an actress. They've had to work hard at it, haven't they? I mean, certainly my experience of these people is they've worked hard. There will be a degree of talent, but to nurture that talent, they've had to work hard. What is there a common thread that runs through people? When you look at somebody and go, you know, yes, you've got it. No, you haven't got it. How do you identify those people? It's not anything that is tangible. It isn't tangible. It isn't. It's, it's a feeling. <laughs> I know that sounds ridiculous, but it is a feeling. Mm. You suddenly meet someone, you go, oh, my goodness, they've got something. Can't tell you what it is, but they have. Mm. Um, and, and it's that gut feeling is the only way that I can ex- explain it. Sometimes people say, well, what did you see in him? I said, I just got a feeling. Mm. Uh, so when somebody comes into you and they, this is an industry, as we know, that has its fair share of challenges, bumps in the road, uh, obstacles, people come to you for advice on in terms of their career, Gene, but when they come to you, you know, metaphorically with their head in their hands, what do I do next? How do I go on? I'm having a really bleak period. Mm. What advice do you give to people? Because there's a kind of a link here, a metaphor, if you like, for people in life and business generally. You hit that kind of that roadblock. You don't quite can't see the wood for the trees. What advice would somebody with all your experience be giving to people when they're facing challenges? They either have got to have the guts to go on or not. It's as simple as that. There is no magic cure. Uh, you know, it's like a client of mine a few weeks ago um, did a self-tape. And I said to her, the trouble with self-tape, again, is you you have to go the way you think on, on reading the script. Uh, and I said, you know, the maddening thing is that when you're in a room with a director, the director said, well, you know, maybe you should have done it this way or maybe you should have done it that way. And you can only... You've got to go in the end what you feel. And this is quite interesting because it literally illustrates what I've been saying because she called me up afterwards and that she actually then had a call, was called in and to see the director. And she did the scene exactly the way she'd done the self-tape because that's what got her into the meeting. 
And half an hour later, they had tried eight different ways of doing the show, the scene. And he said, and she got right down to the wire of two of them and she didn't get it in the end. But she said, I absolutely see what you mean when you're in the room with the director. You then have a, a relationship with him and... And he wants to know what you can do and how much he can stretch you or maybe try a different thing. And he gets like, and then it's a creation. And that is what's missing when people, you're in a room with a mate. I mean, I've had to get my old client who's never, ever done self-taping. And the director was away and I said, you've got to do it. He said, what do I do? What do I do? I said, well, your daughter is an actress and your wife's an actress. Get in a room and they'll help you. And he came back off and said, oh, we had a lot of fun doing that. <laughs> So you've been um, a huge influence to many, many people. Who influences you? Where do you find your inspiration? Where's your support network? Because you are a support to many, many people, Jean. I don't think about it. <laughs> I mean, does a mother You're think a about her children that she has support? Do couples, you don't, do you? I mean, that sounds a bit of a, you know, I actually don't think of it that way. So people, you know, your own uh, support network, Leslie, I know is is an important part of your life in terms of, of your diamond management. Um, but are there anybody else that have been quite influential in your life, well, for example? Well, it's my husband puts up with me. I mean, married <laughs> to an agent is not much fun. I mean, 11 o'clock at night, he'll say, well, you're, you're now doing your American calls and now you're going to read a script. I'm going to bed now. I'll see you in the morning. <laughs> Married to an agent is not funny yeah. because it literally is 24 seven Yeah, because people don't switch off at night. Mm. You know, America, I call it late at night because I find, I think the thing of emails has, has made personal communication really you know, disappear. And the number of times I, I wait till we get to six o'clock or seven o'clock and I will ring America mm. and have a conversation with, uh, uh, regarding a deal with the about with the client and at the end of it they say oh thank you for ringing and I and then I like to put on an email what we've discussed but it's this personal thing everybody said it's so much better negotiating with the American companies uh, I think means a lot more by doing it personally than all these emails that flow backwards and forwards and I've and I I have a a very old-fashioned idea about that. Mm. And I and I think it's been, for me, enormously helpful. And you get to know people that way, you know, and then next time when there's a problem, they'll call you and they'll mm. say, oh, Jean, have you got anybody for the... You know, you open doors next time they're trying to cast something of contacting you because you've got a personal relationship yeah. with people. That that revolving door approach is very important to you, isn't it? That oh. go, what goes around comes around, you know. You are a, you're a giver in life, aren't you? But... Um, you do reap what you sow. That's true, isn't it? Yeah. And, you know, and I, my home life, I mean, I get home late at night, but, you know, uh, but I've got a, a dog and a cat and I've two horses. <laughs> is that, is it, so obviously we don't, I don't, I know much about you, but a lot of people don't. Um, what do you enjoy doing when you're not working seemingly 24 hours a day? Well, I ride my horse, I know, um, and I cuddle my cat. And see my husband's been done tonight. <laughs> Do you ever give yourself any time off? Well, I this is a big thing that everyone is going on at me about having a holiday. And about six years ago, we did have five days in Venice. 
But what I did was I uh, had a wonderful breakfast overlooking the Lido, and then we go for a walk all around Venice, which was lovely, and 12 o'clock, all time for a drink, and then wander back to the hotel at 2 o'clock, and then I do my phone calls for about two or three hours and catch up with what's going on and the things I have to do, and then go out and have a wonderful dinner. That was fine. But at least you're practicing what you preach because, you know, all these clients that disappear off to Paris for a weekend, at least you're contactable. So, And does- I always say to everybody, I'm always on the end of This is where mobiles are fantastic. Yeah. I know. But uh, everyone is always trying to push me off to a holiday. And I, I keep saying, I will do one day. <laughs> Six years ago, still living, stilling off the but memory a, of a trip am, to... Look, let's face it, I'm mad. <laughs> no, I, 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 do you know what? I think really? that uh, you're anything but mad, Jean. I mean, I... I love you to bits we go back a long way and i am always inspired when we when we talk um because your work ethic is just extraordinary and i've got two wonderful children of my own if i could teach them half of what you know and what you've learned what you apply on a regular basis i'd be a very happy man indeed so um no long may it continue gets you everywhere (laughs) well that's probably the reason why you're here today um so i one question that we ask all of our all of our guests is because you have lots of experience. If you were giving advice now to a younger version of Jean Diamond, the 12, 13 year old, let's say, who is thinking about her own career and where she wants to go, what bit of advice would you as a mother be giving to Jean Diamond Jr.? Everyone must have something they really love to do, or they haven't admitted it's something they really want to do. But if there is, you have to go for it. And it doesn't matter at what level, you know, at the lowest level, uh, to get in, as I did. Uh, just wrote lots and lots of, of letters. And to get into this business is not easy. And I have been so lucky, I mean, to have got, you know, where I have, all which has happened with, that, with the links of people as I've gone along the way completely unaware that that is what I've been doing. But I think the secret is if you really believe in what you want to do, and the times I've said to young people, well, what is it you're interested in? Well, I don't know if I'm interested in anything. I said, there must be something. There must be something deep down you really care about. I mean, going off on a tangent, um, one of my clients who who, uh, gave up acting and decided she wanted to make money. And she always, and she was, this is just. I love that, by the way, decided to give up acting to make money. (laughs) Well, she wanted to send her her boys, you know, she had two boys. She wanted them to go to good schools. And she thought this business is so up and down. And she, whatever she wore, people said, I love what you're wearing. And she said, oh, I made this. She took herself off to the factory, not into a, one of the schools, the chic schools or anything, <clears throat> learned how to sew, how to hem, how to sew on buttons. And then she thought, well, what I need to do now is have um, uh, several outfits. At no point in just having one, several outfits so I can uh, arrange. I have to do a range, which she did. And with this range, she thought, now where can I start? And she thought, Harrods. So she went to Harris County carrying these 10 outfits 
went into Harris and said, could you tell me where the um, sales department is? And they said on whichever floor it was. So she went up there and said, uh, can I see your sales director? And the girl said, you have to write in, make an appointment. And as she was sitting there, the sales director walked past and she said, oh, good afternoon. So she got up to follow her in. The assistant leapt up and did everything to stop her. She said, no, no, out of the way. Barged in, came out with an order for all 10 outfits. And that is, I'm illustrating that if it's something you really want to do, you have got the guts to do it. I mean, I had to have the gut to write to everybody and say, this is what I want to do. And I think when people say, I don't know, I said that is something deep down that you feel this, this would really interest me. And uh, so some, and find something that you're really, really that inner passion. I mean, we, we all have it. We just got to find it, haven't we? We've got to identify with it, but go with what really resonates. Um, Cause what I've heard some, is some lovely stuff today um, that kind of that inner feeling of discover who you are, who you want to be, what makes you tick, the the work ethic. I mean, I think mm. that's very very important. Um, successful outcomes, you know, don't always follow straight away, but they follow over time. Particularly if you give more than you take. Um, and then when it comes to challenges, just keep writing the letters to use a metaphor. Yeah. Would that be yes. a fair summary? Very much so. Very much so. So, Jean, thank you so much for joining us. I know you found this particularly challenging and I've been trying to sweet talk you into this for ages. So um, thank you for succumbing to uh, the persuasion. Um, It's been great having you with us um, and look forward to buying your lunch soon. How about that? Well, that sounds good. That was the Sandro Forte podcast. And what can I say about Jean Diamond? An absolutely lovely lady. There are many more fantastic guests joining me over the coming weeks. So please make sure you subscribe if you want to pick up some great tips on success. Remember, you can follow us on social media at Sandro's Podcast, that's Sandro's with an S, same on all channels. And we'd love to hear your stories, ideas, anecdotes, challenges, or what motivates you. So please remember to email me at hello at sandrospodcast.com. And if you can, please leave a review on iTunes so we know what you'd like more of in the future. Thank you. (laughs) 